prophet Amos rebuked the leaders of Jerusalem and Samaria in the name of God. The country was suffering a great deal. Poverty, injustice, corruption on the inside and also was threatened by the rising foreign cultures around them. And while they were facing that difficult situation in which people were suffering a lot, what did they do? These leaders of Israel were having fun. They were just having banquets and having a great time. They were just enjoying themselves. We heard in the first reading, lying upon beds of ivory. You can picture them, no? Stretched comfortably on their couches. They eat lambs taken from the flock. Improvising to the music of the harp, they drink wine from bowls and anoint themselves with the best oils. Beds of ivory, comfortable couches, wine, music. They couldn't care less about what was happening around them. So the prophet cries out, they are not made ill by the collapse of Joseph. Joseph is another name for, for Israel. They don't care. They should be suffering with them, trying to figure out what to do. But they're just having fun. They are distracted and entertained. They did not want to connect or see what was happening around them, thinking, it's not my problem. Their hearts were muddled with wine and entertainment. So that is why the prophet will say to them, you will be the first to go to exile. So this situation will affect you as well. Don't think you're safe because you have money and you're rich. This exile will affect you uh, as well if you don't wake up. It was a call to wake them up. So the prophet Amos was lamenting the lack of leadership. Their leaders did not rise to the occasion. And in fact, a couple of years later, they had to go to exile. So Jesus picks up picks up the same subject and he illustrated with a parable. He says this man was holding this rich man was hosting these parties, this banquet. And you know being rich usually means having access to education, relationships, possibilities, resources and comfort. But the other side of being rich the other side of the coin is responsibility, having to somehow be accountable for all, all those resources that you have received. The Gospel says that he received his wealth from God himself. That is what Abraham says in his reply. My child, remember that you received what was good during your lifetime. So his sin was not being rich. That was a talent that he received, in his case at least, by, from God directly. But his sin was that he forgot about that. He thought it was for himself. His mindset was, this is my life, my money, my time, I can do whatever I want. If I want, if I want to party every day, why, why not? So no responsibility, no sense of mission. He had this call to be a leader, he was a rich man, to pay a service to maybe his country or his church or his community. But all, his care, all, all that he cared about was having fun, dressed 
in pauper garments and fine linen, dine sumptuously every day, every day. So of course he did not see Lazarus, this poor man lying at his door, at his door. So he would see him every day. He knew his name, because when he sees him, he recognizes him with Abraham and says, hey, no, he doesn't say hey, but Father Abraham, send Lazarus here. So he knew who he was. And just as a side note, if we remember last Sunday gospel, Jesus says, if you have money, buy friends with the money of injustice. So they will receive you in heaven. And this is the exact opposite situation. This rich man did not buy friends like Lazarus. So Lazarus could not receive him in heaven. His heart was muddled in a circle that we know very well. Parting, drinking, you know, during the night and doing other stuff. Then waking up the next morning feeling empty, alone, maybe without much meaning. So parting again the very same day. And by doing so, he was losing his soul. And what is even worse, he was spoiling the opportunity to make a difference. He was just having fun. fun. So he became empty, selfish, and superficial, stupid. Had he read Moses and the prophet? Had he taken some time to pray, maybe, for a while? to read the Bible. He would have discovered what the Bible says about that. And he might have changed. But he didn't. That's why Abraham says they have already the Bible. So we can ask ourselves what place does fun have in our lives? Are we as Catholics allowed to have fun? And of course we are allowed to have fun to be entertained. But there are some distinctions that we can make. Um, Friday night, we went to see, with, with our men, with Father Lucas and the theologians, we went to see a nice hockey game. Uh, this AU uh, team was playing against Catholic University. Uh, so we went to, to, to watch the game in Anacostia. It was kind of fun to see because we entered a little bit late so with eight of us dressed in our clerics in black. So the Catholic crowd was happy. They thought we were going to root for them, but we went to AU with AU. So they were kind of confused. One of them said, AU has a Catholic priest. Yes, they do. Anyway, it was a fun thing to do. But in the middle of the game, this crowd of you know, guys came in and they were completely wasted, completely drunk. So they began to you know, say annoying things and back and forth and then the whole environment became, became tense. And I was thinking to myself, really, do you need to be drunk at 10 p.m. to enjoy an ice hockey game? What is the point? We, we were having a good time until they arrived. So I think it's an important distinction here. If fun means alienation, if fun means entering into a circle of drinking or smoking or, you know, being less who you are, 
and then waking up the next morning and, and wanting to forget about that, then of course God does not want that, does not bless that type of fun. Because in that mindset, fun means to disconnect, like to forget for a while about who you are, your work, your studies, your responsibilities, your family problems. And we can do that in many ways, not only drinking or going to substances, but we can do it in many ways. We can alienate ourselves in many different ways. We are very creative for that. You know? The sign of a bad kind of fun is that you feel afterwards, you feel more disconnected of your true self, more alienated from who you are. It's like you're not, you cannot recognize yourself as easily. And that kind of fun is very destructive for your soul because you slowly, if you go, if you walk through that, you know, in that direction, you slowly become like that rich man of the parable, caring mainly about yourself. I think, by the way, also as another side note, this is, um, this is the problem with people who smoke marijuana often. Uh, it turns you into a self-centered person. And then fun and relaxation becomes like a core value for your life. And it, as it becomes a core value, then you have the, you know, the, the danger of becoming selfish, of not seeing who, who, who are around you as you should. And then you don't really stop the circle of your responsibilities. That type of life does not really connect you with who you are. I remember a couple of years ago a student in another college, no, it was not from AU, she wrote to me, at my college they are either studying or drinking. It's a very academic environment, very competitive, very cutthroat competition. But students will study for six nights a week and then go out that one night, but they will make that one night count. So that's why I said they are either studying or drinking. They're either studying a lot or drinking a lot. So you work hard, you drink hard, and then it all becomes about yourself. You drink or you do other things, no? For a Christian, instead, having fun means connecting more, not less. Being more who you are, not less. First of all, connecting with who you are and with the ones around you, and also connecting with God. So, for example, connecting with God. I wouldn't say that connecting with God is fun. It's not fun to come to Mass. I'm sure you're not saying, oh, what a fun thing to do. I have to go to St. Anne's at 7 p.m. No? But it is surely something that fills you with joy, with deep joy. Maybe not in the moment, you don't notice in the moment, but being connected with God, being nourished by God, being in touch with Him, connects you with the true reason why to celebrate, if you think about it. You know, we Catholics are full of feasts and, and solemnities and special occasions and saints. We have Easter, we have Christmas. We have so many reasons, so many events, real events, in which God intervened in our lives and saved us, and so we celebrate Him. And as we celebrate Him in our lives, then we have real reasons to be joyful. 
Because ultimately, if you think about it, celebration is about celebrating something. Otherwise, you become like the, you know, the, the alcoholic. That sad, he drinks. If he's happy, he drinks. You know, he doesn't need much reasons to, 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 to drink. You know? Instead, we as Catholics, we have real reasons to have fun, to celebrate, and even to drink once in a while. You know, the German philosopher Joseph Pieper, German uh, Catholic philosopher last century, he wrote a great book, Leisure, the Basis of Culture. And there he says, the soul of leisure, it can be said, lies in celebration. But if celebration is the core of leisure, then leisure can only be made possible and justifiable on the same basis as the celebration of a festival. That basis is divine worship. So he makes the point. The core of leisure is celebration. When we're celebrating God, when we connect with God, we break the cycle of our responsibilities, our duties, our things that stress us out, and we regain strength to you know, go back to our ordinary lives in, in, in a better shape. When the fun is alienating, it happens exactly the opposite. Which is, oh, I have to go back to my daily life. I have this hangout and what will I do? So connecting with God, but also connecting with the ones around you. It's so important. And there are so many good things to do. Going for a hike with friends, having a good conversation with one or several friends of yours. You know those moment, moments when you can connect heart to heart, dancing in a way that expresses who you are, going to a concert, playing sports or watching sports. Now we are going through the World Cup, rugby World Cup. I don't know if you care about that, but I love rugby, so I'm connected with what is happening there. Listening to good music, joining a book club, reading together, going to a theater. I went to the internet to see what could be done this fall in DC. And there are 10 things that you can do for free in DC. I will read you some. You can go to the US National Arboretum, for example, with some friends, and that's for free. You can go to a fall concert series in the National Gallery of Art. That might not be very fun, but it will for sure be beautiful. You can bike through the GW Memorial Parkway. You can go to the H Street Festival and things like that. There are so many things to do. Last Sunday I went to a flea market in Georgetown because I wanted to buy something I couldn't find, but anyways. So I went, walk around, and I thought, oh, this is great. I would like to go to other flea markets to see if I can buy, find what I'm looking for. The list can go on. There are so many things that we can do. I, sometimes I struggle when I see young people bored. They're bored. Not everyone, but there are so many young people that they don't know what to do. They're isolated, they're alone. How can that be possible? C.S. Lewis wrote, We are not to be perpetually solemn. We must play. But our merriment must be of that kind which exists between people who have, from the outset, taken each other seriously. And he says that is the moment when we have 
the most fun when we take each other seriously and we can play with each other because we know who we are and who others are. You know, John Paul II, when he was struggling under communism, he was a young man, he would uh, have this theater, underground theater company and he would, you know, get together with his friends and college students and put on this place to have fun but also to resist. They wanted to enact the, you know, the Polish culture. I don't know if you have known a saint, if you have met a saint, like a living saint, someone who you consider really ho a holy person, so to say. I have met two or three at least. And I remember one priest, he was old and he was a chaplain in a high school when I was a young college student. And uh, he was so fun to be around, so fun. He was, had always you know, subjects to, to speak about and always you know, a smile and he was always joyful and always interesting to be, to be with him. And I think saints are fun, to be, fun people to be with because they have so much inside. Their interiority is deep so they can share. It's fun to be with them. It's not superficial. If you suffer from boredom, that's a sign of lack of spiritual life, I think. If you are growing in your spiritual life, boredom should somehow fade away. Because God is fun. Imagine, you have so much to learn, from so much to, to be amazed. Anyways, the true fun, the kind of fun that God blesses is the one that helps you to commit with who you are with your calling life in a deeper way it restores restores your energies it restores your strength restores your identity of son of God daughter of God and then sends you in a better shape to you know to the battle the good fun is when we rest from the battle so we can go to the battle again. The bad type of fun weakens us and makes us self-centered and cowards and superficial. May God give us this discernment, this, this wisdom for our daily lives.